Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today, I'm joined by probably our most talked about person in the studio, Adam Sells. If you're a good manager, for me, you work with the players that you've got. Just because a fellow's put the ball bottom left for the last three penalties, it doesn't mean he's doing it again. Players like Will Prowse and Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know we've got the Bosman transfer, <laughs> we might have the Howard free kick. Now you know I'm on yes. the phone for such a long time. <laughs> As I lifted the trophy, rather than sort of being ecstasy, he said he was thinking of me. Oof. How can I answer a question like that? Victor Moses, Nathaniel Klein, Johnny Williams, John Bostock. And as we went onto the pitch, he said, Tells it, he said, Did you really mean that? With the caption, None of this would have been possible oh, without you. you. <laughs> Goalkeepers should be allowed to move anywhere in the six yard box. What are we going to do next? Make it eight foot higher and put a blindfold and tie their hands behind their back. My knowledge may be second to none, but I'm not sure about your pronunciation. <laughs> so for any kid that's listening, keep the faith and just work at your game. As long as you've got grass and some footballs, you can play football. What a save from Mark Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Today, I'm joined by probably our most talked about person in the studio ever. Every guest kind of seems to have a, a reference to him. I'm delighted that he's finally come on. Today, I've got Adam Sells. How you doing, mate? Very well, thank you. Very honoured to be here. I've been in some uh, very regal company now, I guess. I mate, yeah. And uh, nearly the oldest bloke you've had on here as well. Nearly. Alex Welsh takes that. Yeah, he's uh, a hero of mine, so that's all right. And one of mine as well. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, like I said, I'm delighted to have you on. So many people talk about you. Yeah, I listen sometimes. <laughs> to the good stuff, anyway. Is yeah. there any bad? No, nah, there's not been anything bad yet, apart from a few of us that have said it's hard to get you off the phone, so we try and pull up at a petrol pump. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true yeah that's just my good manners though you see i don't no, like exactly to put the that. phone down first and appear rude to anybody right before i get started i want to thank today's sponsors forged irish stout uh it's an unbelievably smooth and creamy drink by ufc legend conor mcgregor thanks a lot uh drink responsibly guys i'm gonna have a drink actually sorry sales mate. it's not very responsible in the no it's of not the day. uh it's available in an asda near you coming this summer 
Thanks again for coming on, right? Don't I have uh, to say it's in conjunction with Sales Goalkeeper Products. No, the not leading at all. name in the game, no? Well, push but. your brand in a minute. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> so, obviously, like I said, Selzy has got one of the most famous goalkeeper glove brands uh, in the world. One of, did you say? No, I said... Oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I want to know, though, is you look after so many goalkeepers and you juggle so many plates with the business as well. How? How would you find uh, enough hours in the day? I haven't been on holiday since 1999. So what we now, that's 24 years ago. So it's a fair effort. I just eat, sleep and breathe it seven days a week. There aren't many days off and my leisure time is generally spent going to football matches and meeting people in football. So it's kind of uh, it's very much a way of life. There isn't really much else to go with it. It's quite difficult. You're definitely the most knowledgeable person I've ever met on anything <laughs> goalkeeping it's and very, goalkeepers. It's very kind of you to say. I had spent a lot of time following, studying, you know, and uh, and and watching and I'm around it and I follow and, and hear and talk and have that many conversations. The problem is... I've that many conversations during the course of a week. I forget who's told me half of the things that I know, but uh, I try and store as much of it as I can, you know. And uh, luckily, I've I've got a missus who can tolerate it to a point as well, you know. And it's, a phone bill with unlimited minutes on. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's become the, the the drop in the cost of phone calls has become quite <laughs> useful in recent years. There were times when it used to be heavily in the thousands every month and stuff like that. It was uh, yeah. It, was, uh, it wasn't always good, especially if I was travelling the world and things like that. But I don't know, you know, you, 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 uh, you enjoy the, the, the sort of um, interaction with the goalkeeper people and, you know, a lot of them are younger and you can offer a lot of help and guidance too at times. And it's just, it's just hard keeping up, really. I looked yesterday and my phone contacts yesterday with one that went in Went up to two thousand six hundred and two yesterday, so it's uh, it's quite a difficult uh, thing to stay on top of. So if I'm slow messaging you back and you're watching or listening, I do apologise. Well, personally, you've you've helped me over the last well since I was I think I've worn your gloves since I was nineteen. I think I had two seasons where you dropped me. Did I? Yeah. Uh, but personally, you've helped me with clubs, contracts, and contacts, uh, especially over the since I turned thirty. Well, I do my best to help everybody where I can. It's just uh, I don't ask, I don't seek it, but it seems to sort of come my way. And over time, it sort of evolved into players asking me for help and clubs asking me for help with goalkeepers and advice and so on. And in all honesty, I just give it as I see it and uh, what I know and just try and help everyone I can along the way. I mean, it's not by design necessarily, but... Uh, I guess being in it for so long and knowing so many people, you acquire a lot of knowledge and contacts and stuff along the way, and it's just how it works, really. That leads me on to your agency side of your <laughs> business. Uh, yeah. Like you said, n you, you don't approach anyone. It's just no. friends of friends or other goalkeepers that are either out of contracts. Me and Lonna's obviously a massive advocate of you. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't really like that side of the business too much. There's a lot of people in there that are, I would say, uh, quite unscrupulous. And the stories that I hear and the tales that I'm told, you know, around whose interests they're uh, looking out for and that kind of thing, I, I find all that stuff, you know, quite distasteful. Um, but I try and 
help anybody that comes to me. I won't be prepared to sit in front of anyone and say, let's have coffee and, oh, I'm going to get you to Real Madrid or some tale like that. But I do, I do, I'm happy to help and happy to advise, but I tend to want a sort of very specific relationship with the people involved like you or Lonna's Tom, you know, these lads that I, I treat them more like they're my sons than than they're some kind of client or something. I think we all so, call you Uncle Selsey yeah, well, behind your back anyway. Yeah, so, but, the, yeah. but the idea is that I'm in your corner for love and want to help you. I'm not there to – so if I can't tell you to shut up and get in your bo- back in your box now and again or whatever, then I don't want to do it because I don't want to sort of – anyone that would know would know that I would do everything with the best reasons, for the best reasons rather, and with the best interests – at heart, and sometimes that's telling them things they don't always like to hear. But I don't, I'm not uh, difficult or awkward, but sometimes you have to be realistic about where you are and the opportunities and what there are and all just that honest. sort of thing. Yeah, just honest. a bit of honesty, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't pretend. And, I, you know, I'm, I, in these situations, if a club offers me one pound for Mark Howard per week, I know Mark Howard's not going to accept it, but I still tell him and still make him the... Uh, give him the choice to make his own decisions effectively. I'll, I'll make let any, you know next chance. No, anybody, <laughs> anybody's decisions are not, are not there for me to make. I'll advise and yeah. say, I think you could do this or you could get this or you should do this instead. But it's not my life to make people's, you know, to mess around with other people's, you know, they've got to make their own, their own choices and their own decisions. You know, it's their life. I also want to lead on now to your transfer spreadsheet. <laughs> right, now so you're Sel- embarrassing me. No, now, yeah. Selzy has this spreadsheet of every goalkeeper, every club that's got contract end and start dates on. You, you're kind of connecting you, the dots before they happen, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm the king of the spreadsheet. To yeah. be honest, but Richard I, Lee's tried I, to take. I, I don't. I don't, it don't off know here, if it, I can say this on air publicly without embarrassing myself absolutely uh, horrendously. But uh, please do. I keep even records of every goalkeeper that's played in the top five leagues of Europe this season, the Europa League, the Champions League and the Europa Conference by brand. So I can see how many goalkeepers each brand has got and all of these things to help me, which is a lot of work. Well, that's usually done on a Sunday night during match of the day two or something when it's on. And uh, it's that uh, my attention to detail is like I want to know Everything about everything, you know. Do you even so. start doing their social media followers now? Because it's the modern era and a lot of stuff, especially promotion of your brand, would work in that sense. Yes. Um, social media is a bit of a, a funny one for me. I, I look at it and I like it, but I think there are too many people who have got too much to say about absolutely everything <laughs> all of the time. And I tend to uh, I tend to follow the words of my mother during my upbringing as a kid, which was, uh, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, is my sort of tends to be my my go-to mantra where social media is concerned. But uh, as I know, even uh, some some listeners may know that uh, I'm a fairly regular guest on podcasts involving Crystal Palace Football Club and uh, I'm a columnist in the local newspaper and so on. And uh, my... Um, my piece recently around uh, Roy Hodgson's return to Crystal Palace and the sacking of Patrick Vieira didn't go down very well. I've let's read say that piece. you did, like yes. with a lot of the uh, with a lot of the fan base. Yeah. But 
I haven't heard from too many of them since, no, of to be course, fair. Yeah. So, uh, well, speaking about Crystal Palace in a bit anyway. Uh, you can't win them all, but, uh, no. you know, I, I try <laughs> to be always balanced, fair and reasonable when I talk about football. I think I don't like the the whole sort of hysteria and the nonsense that goes on around it. And effectively all that happens is a ball stays one side of a goal line by a couple of inches or goes over, that changes everybody's perspective about everybody around it. And unfortunately, I don't really see the game in the same way. You know, you, you can only judge people over a season or a team over a season in one-off days with decisions, moments, fortune, all of these things play a part. And I, I'm sort of at the stage where football is, um, you know, people want to have very definite views about the game, which I can't sort of concur with because I'm too open to sort of see things in a different way, let's say. And there There's are a lot, lot of touchline there, managers out well, there. Well, no, exactly. And a lot of things, you know, he only does this and... You know, talking about Roy there, you know, he only does this, you know. Well, give him a good set of attacking players that he's got at his disposal and actually, oh, hey, presto, he can do something else. I think everyone loves to pigeonhole managers and people in the game there. Oh, this is what Sean Dyche does. This is what Sam Allardyce does. They do. If you're a good manager, for me, you work with the players that you've got and you find the best way of playing with the players that you've got. And whether that's playing through the pitch and great football or playing very directly to a big front player. For me, it doesn't matter. The game is the game and it's about being effective and doing the best things Utilizing that you can what you for have, your yeah. team. Yeah, I don't, I just, but I think there's so much hot air and so much science now that I'm, I'm completely baffled with sort of, even with the goalkeepers and the water bottles, right? Just because a fellow's put the ball bottom left for the last three penalties, it doesn't mean he's doing it again this time. I think he puts it on the spot. He, he he looks at the goal, and at that point, he probably decides what he's going to do. And I'd still believe, old school as I am, that instinct for the goalkeeper is the best thing. And I think it's good to be prepared. It's good to provide lots of information. But when I say lots, there's too much information because... You know, you'd see people like Trent Alexander-Arnold and James Ward-Prowse and what they can do with set pieces and free kicks around the box. Why, if you start telling your keeper, he's going to do this and he's going to... I think in, instinctively as the goalkeeper, you start second-guessing before you've started. Yep. I think playing what comes your way and what's in front of you is always the best way. But I'm, I'm intrigued, actually, about defending free kicks in any case around the box because I'm wondering for the day or waiting still for the day that somebody tries to do something very different. I mean, the, the most we've got so far is the draft excluded. The draft excluded. <laughs> yeah. I love that term as but, well. But beyond that... There is going to be something soon. I, I would... See, for me, I, I, this, is, this will be argued till the cows come home, any which way. But players like Will Prowse and Trent Alexander-Arnold are so good I think if you show them a side of the goal and say stick the ball over the wall and you score... You're giving them that option, aren't They're going to do it because they're good enough to do it. For me... While we're on this, right, I've got, got one theory on this, right? You know uh, the draft excluder? Yeah. Why does he not start on the 10-yard line? And yeah. as the free kick's about to be taken, the four people behind run up and jump over him. Technically, they oh. create a much bigger height advantage and you've still got the low... 
draft excluder covering that option. You'd actually get, I reckon, a yard tall, uh, one foot taller per player by having a running jump in your wall. What a brilliant idea. Someone's going to do it soon. Well, Please, it should be that you. could be the revolutionary should, one. Well, you know we've got the Bosman transfer. <laughs> we might have the Howard free kick. The Howard free we? kick. You know, that's... That's... But I think this is... The... It could oh, work. I, I, Mark, For I someone actually... like Ward-Prowse, I think that there's o- that's the only option. You need to make your wall bigger. And the only way of making them bigger is by giving them a run and jump. So why not put the draft excluder first and make them run and jump over it on the perfect timing? The ref, aren't going to book, the ref isn't going to book four of you for see, going early. See, I'd go a different way. I'd put two people inside the post and I'd put two people in front of the ball and the rest I'd put bodies between the goal and the Scatter ball. Scattergun, yeah. Yeah, now, people are going to argue they're going to come and stand in front of you, they're going to make it difficult. But I think it's far more difficult for James Ward-Prowse to get that ball through 20 bodies to go in the net than it is to drop it over a wall and the ball at the back of the net with the keeper trying to make up the ground. I'd... I really can't, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised in some ways, but I'm not because football people often tend to follow. If Pep Guardiola does it, everyone else will be doing it soon enough. Well, I did this sort of thing in Scotland, right? So uh, I remember the first time I played against Celtic, Nakamura put one over the wall. I had a four-man four wall, put it over the wall, straight in the, the corner. I got nowhere near it. So the next time uh, we played Celtic, I had a chat with uh, Paul Mavers, the goalie coach at the time, and we just went, just don't have a wall. If Nakamura, Nakamura had no power in his shot, but he had the best accuracy. So I was saying, like, if I just stand in the middle of my goal, I don't think he'll beat me from 20 yards, 25 yards. And that day he had one free kick and I saved it. And it, like, it was a comfortable save. But I don't know whether the psychology of it had stopped him from trying as hard of putting it over a wall. I do wonder that putting two players in front of the ball and not just letting him have a clear sight of goal is effective because you can see the ball, you mm. can see what's going on and you can move and protect. I think the tendency, as you say, to go and protect one side of the goal and the wall the other means that, you know, you can get embarrassed because you start to edge behind the wall and he whips it back the, the side you're supposed to protect and so on. I just think over time that it should evolve. I thought... Um, one of my great friends, Dean Kiley, when he was playing in golf for Charlton, when Alan Kirbishley was the manager during that Premier League era in the sort of early noughties, Paul Koncheski used to drop back on the line often and, and, and protect the goal under the bar. And I remember talking to Dean about it at the time and sort of saying, Dino, well, you know, is that not a bit risky? And he said, well, we've never conceded a goal since we've been been doing it. But I, I, I think there's an argument to say that it's harder if there are more bodies between the ball and the goal for someone not to get their their arse or their head or their thigh or their something knee or on something it. on it to stop it going in the goal. And I, I agree equally it's going to be difficult because there'll be bodies around the goalkeeper, but I think giving them an open space that they can exploit they're good enough to do yeah. it too easily. Right, we've gone know. off on a tangent now. Right? Well, I'm going to get us back on track. Now you know I'm on yes. the phone for such a long time, don't <laughs> right. you? Right, uh, I'm going to crack on with that. I quick wanted fire. to tell you also about one of my other uh, one of my other theories about the game and the rule change. I'll well, do that in a minute, oh, Selby. Right? Right? I'm going to bring you back in. I've got some quick fire questions. This is going to be the longest podcast in the history of of Mark Howard's new 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 theme. Right, catch or parry? Catch with my gloves on. Yeah. Nice. No good, excuses. Good plug. Great plug. Uh, Favourite colour goalkeeper kit? Uh, white. Are you a play out from the back or kick it long? 
Goal kicks, I'm talking specifically. Uh, play what's in front of you as you see it, is yeah. my answer. Right, favourite ever goalkeeper? John Burridge. Oh, wow, yeah. John Burridge, when nice. I was a kid at Crystal, was a Crystal Palace fan, my dad first took me, the first game I went to was in 1976 at home to Aldershot, 20th of April, and it was a nil-nil draw, and there was 27,000 people there for a nil-nil draw in the third division. And Proper game for I goalies. soon Love became it. hooked on football and Palace and all of those things. And and uh, Budgie, who I now know really well um, through through my work, of course, was came to Palace around 78, I think. So I was eight and he was the keeper when I was sort of eight, nine, ten, at a very impressionable age. So Budgie was always my... My hero growing up, absolutely. Right. Match of the day or Sky Sports News? Uh, match of the day, yeah. it has to be. I think Sky is so uh, all over the place at the moment. They've, uh, you know, I respect many of the things they try and do, but they've gone too far yeah. and got rid of far too many good people and replaced them with people who can barely speak English. So it's probably not, uh, when I say English, I mean in a sort of correct sense. Yeah, correct say. terminology. Not as in they no, don't understand course. the language. <laughs> right, long sleeve shirts or short sleeve? Definitely long sleeve. Yes. All right, you can't be doing short sleeves as a goalie. That's, Lots of them do. It's changed, and if you it? are, wear an undershirt underneath. You have to, That's yeah. actually right. tight. It's too cold and the ball's too slippery. World Cup or Champions League? Oh, that's tough. Well, we've been lucky enough to win the Champions League once 18 years ago and I was there in uh, Istanbul that Did night when yeah. Jersey Dudek... I was sat there at There's half... always a plug. Uh, Listen was, to the I, plug, I wait a minute. There, yeah. Jersey Dudek Never miss gloves. a chance, never miss a chance. <laughs> um, never look a gift horse in no, the mouth, so remember that. Um, no, that was... I was there at half-time, 3-0 down thinking... Back I think off. I paid a couple of grand to get there for one night and thought, Christ, what am I doing here? And then ended up being incredible. So uh, what a fantastic... Oh, uh, unbelievable. His funny. double save, like the Shevchenko save, yeah. the second bit. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing. He just puts an arm out and it hits him on the arm and goes... It must have went about 100 foot in the air and over the bar, didn't it? Well, funnily enough, um, when... Uh, Hope he qualified for the Champions League earlier this week. Somebody wrote to me saying, oh, another Champions League goalkeeper and so on. And uh, I said, oh, I could do with 2005 being repeated again on a fairly regular basis to help. But uh, he actually wrote Jersey. Somebody sent me a, an extract from his autobiography and he talked about a conversation that we'd had during the season. And I told him I'd had this premonition that... Uh, he was going to lift the Champions League trophy with my gloves on. And he wrote in his book, as I lifted the trophy, rather than sort of be in ecstasy, he said he was thinking of me, <laughs> telling him that it was going to happen. So, take so, uh, take yeah, them ones. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, that was really, really fantastic. And we were only sort of four years old at that time. So it was it was really, uh, yeah, it was huge at the time. And I'd... I'd sort of love that to happen a few more times. Right. Maybe, let's Last get a World question. Cup out of the way as well before uh, I go. Best goalkeeper in the world right now? Oof. How can I answer a question like that? That's not in your gloves. Not, then. Not, not, yeah, it? let's say not in my gloves. <laughs> not in your gloves. Best goalkeeper in the world right now. Not in my gloves. Uh, Alison Becker. Um, or Mike Mannion, probably, I'd yeah. say right now, if you gave me a choice. It's not somebody that I deal with. And if yep. you ask me 
if it's someone in my gloves, I'm going to have to reel off about 70 names. So yep. that's not going to make no, it very easy, No, don't pick anyone. Right. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people will know this uh, in the goalkeeping world, but you used to be a goalkeeper coach at Crystal Palace and Cholton uh, a long, long time ago. A long time ago. Well, I'm basically I played as a kid. I was at Chelsea as a schoolboy until I was around 16. Um, they didn't keep me. The, the people that were there around that time for people, older listeners, let's say, Frank Sinclair, Jason Cundy, people like that were there um, in that period. And then I went on trial at Palace, Brentford, Brighton, Aldershot when they were a league club the first time round, Colchester, didn't make it, played non-league football for a little while for Bromley and Corinthian Casuals and people like that. And then started to sort of take an interest in coaching the first year. My first time I went I went to Charlton and Terry Wesley was in charge of the academy and said to me, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a month's trial to see how you get on. I was about 28 or something at the time. It was 25 a, a years ago. A coach on trial. Yeah. So I've turned up, took the coaching session. After an hour he said, it's all right, you don't need the month. You can have the job. And it gave me sort of quite a lot of confidence very quickly. But as I am with the goalkeeping world now, I was very detailed about the things I did and and the work that I did and so on. And I tried to always make the sessions different so that people were never bored and didn't know what was coming. I would research and watch hours and hours of training videos and things from all around the world just to get different ideas and try and adapt things from there. I mean, we had... In that one year I, I was at Charlton, I think there were something like nine goalkeepers that went on to play in the Football League. It's good going, that. It was amazing. There's people like Jason Brown and Paul Jones, and they're all aged sort of between Glenn Morris. They're all people that were aged between sort of 11 and 17, 18 at that time. And some played once or twice, others had careers. And then Palace asked me to, to go in there and I... It's my club and so on, of course, so it wasn't so difficult. And, you know, my connections with the club are all levels with the staff, players. I was lucky in the time that um, was at Palace that um, Gary Izzett came in as the academy director, academy manager, and he really liked me and what I did and so on and immediately sort of took to me. So as well as working with the goalkeepers, I would sort of, assisting with the under-18 team and we had some fantastic players, Wilfred Zahal, um, Victor Moses, Nathaniel Klein, Johnny Williams, John Bostock. I mean, in the time, (laughs) in the 10 years I was there, we had 33 players playing Crystal Palace's first team from our academy. But, you know, in all honesty, it was sort of necessities, the mother of invention. If there's not money at a club, they have to go and use younger players and it meant that you know, I, I remember Wilfred, for example, and, and this is funny, and Wilfred talks to me about this now. I mean, he's 30 now, and he said to me, you're always the person that most believed in me when I was a kid, and not everybody did, and not everybody did around the club at, the, at that age. He had lots of opinions and stuff. Wilfred, I recognised his talent very quickly. He, he um couldn't get a game in our youth team for the first half of the season that he was there. And then all of a sudden we played Fulham on a Friday afternoon, I remember at the training ground. He had to play. We won 4-0. Marcus Bettinelli, one of your recent yeah. guests, was in goal at Fulham at that time. 
Um, and Wilfred, by the time we'd gone to play Fulham at Mutz, 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 Bear, look at Motspur Park. Motspur Park, yeah. yeah. Let's try and see if I can put my teeth back in. You might have to edit that <laughs> bit. By the time we got back to, to play Fulham at Motspur Park a few months later, I remember sitting in the dressing room and saying to Wilfred before the game, you're going to play in our first team before the end of the season in front of all the lads. And, he, you know, he's got those big eyes that he, and he, they were like on sticks, like a cartoon character coming out of his head. And as we went onto the pitch, he said, Towsy, he said, did you really mean that? And I said, I know it. I said, you're the best player I've ever seen. I said, and the talent you've got, I've never seen anybody with it. All you've got to do is go and show everyone how good you are and express yourself. And he just went on and it was like a bird set free and what a talent he was. So I was lucky that we, we had, you know, I had the relationships with all the goalkeepers then, and some of those, Tom King, who's like a sort of son to me, really, you know, and he's played in David Gregory was there, who went on to play for Bromley and Cambridge and Ross Fitzsimmons that played for Chesterfield in the playoff. It was weird, actually, with the National League playoff with Johnny Bostock taking the penalty against, against Ross him, yeah, and both of, course, of them yeah. from, our, from our youth team. And so we had some, had some fantastic experiences and I learned a lot. I've a got lot a story about, anyway, the about club. Crystal Palace. You came, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did, yeah. Did you train with me, didn't you? I trained you? with you. I can't remember you being nine. No. Not this 30-odd-year-old year, bearded Nine-year-old, I was on trial as a goalkeeper. Obviously, I'd played Croydon Boroughs my whole, like, yeah. uh, for a few years and that. I got invited down to Palace. And I think I, I was only my second or third week with training with you. Uh, and we turned up, me and my mum, and uh, there was no lights on. I've told you this story before. And Have there was you? no lights on, no floodlights on. Yeah. Uh, and the week before, I'd got scouted by Arsenal. Uh, and uh, so we, I, I was committed to Palace. It was my local club. I'm a Tottenham fan anyway. So I was like, we turn up twice a week. Hold on, let me rewind it. You, you, you were committed to Palace, your local club, and you're a Tottenham yep. fan. You come from Croydon. You only support Crystal Palace. Nah, this I is an absolute bugbear of mine. I, mean, I was a kid. If I'm, in, five if I'm years born old in England and I'm English and kids. I come from Croydon or Norwood, then I'm Crystal Palace. It's not a choice. Yeah. That's just what you are. Nah, you don't different. get to choose. I got to choose. So anyway, we've turned up to training. There was no floodlights on, no lights on. My mum's phoned you, absolutely fuming. And I think you just went, yeah, training got cancelled. Did no one phone you? My mum was like, right, we're never going back there. And I ended up signing for Arsenal a couple of weeks later. So I actually have to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not, you're, you're not the first person to thank me for a bad moment. I had that recently. Yeah. I got, um, I got a, 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 I'll tell you a funny story in return, just short one, that... Um, Herbal Bozkurt, I don't know if you know her, know who name. was assisting at QPR with Gavin yeah, Ward as the right. goalkeeping coach. So he's a really nice lad and he calls me sometimes for advice. So he asked me about, um, he'd been offered the job at Wickham Wanderers with Gareth Ainsworth and he asked me whether I thought he should go and do it. And I said, yeah, it's time for you to do this on your own and go and have a go and all that. And he went there. He was really enjoying it. And three weeks later, Gareth Ainsworth left Wickham to go to. <sighs> Queen's Park Rangers. So Matt Bloomfield came in and brought in another sort of friend of mine, Lee Harrison, as his goalkeeping coach. And Herbal was out of work after three weeks. Oh, <laughs> wow. So he went on holiday to Thailand with his girlfriend a few weeks ago, sent me a picture of him and his missus with the elephants with the caption, none of this would have been possible oh, without, without you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Class. <laughs> Superb. That. Uh, how's coaching changed, Selzy? Obviously, from back then, coaching people. Well, I, you, I, you now speak to goalie coaches up and down the yeah. country, week in, week out. I'm 
uh, let's say I'm probably a bit old school now, being 53. I think when I stopped it was 10 seasons ago. That was the last time I was involved. Palace got promotion. I thought, well, they're going to be able to bring in a load of new staff and full-time staff. And it wasn't something I'd ever be able to do with my business commitments and so on. And so I thought it was the right time to stop. But things have evolved very differently and there are some really excellent goalkeeper coaches around, you know, the Dean Kylies and Ben Roberts and Neil Cutlers and people like that, you know, fantastic. Um, but I'd also say to you that probably some of the modern methods, old school me, probably has a little bit of, uh, what would you say, a bugbear uh, again? Yeah, I just I don't know that they're necessarily better or more effective than what went on before. You know, if you're going to go and make that K block and the gate and get in front of somebody, it looks great if you get there right on time and you you you, you can effectively sort of um, deal with the situation. But get it slightly wrong, it looks like a very poor attempt to stop the ball going past you. And I'd see the arguments that you know you go with your head in your hands that people can dink it over you and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I would say it's sort of as broad as it's long in that sense and that, you know, you're constantly up against players who have the the upper hand, don't they? And that's uh, – and it's it's a, it's such a difficult job, you know, and I, I listen to people talking to me about goalkeepers and goalkeeping and, oh, how did that happen? How could he let that happen? What, what, did, what was he doing there? And, you know, all that sort of stuff. And there's so much of it now has become – I think about the optics and how things look. Yep. You know, no goalie wants to kick the ball out of play anymore, do they? But guess what? It's you effective. Know, well, exactly. Well, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, you'll probably remember, you know, the fellow I've just named as arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, Alison Becker, tried a Cruyff turn at Leicester and got robbed and they scored. Now, you see, for me, the risk and reward is the, is the bit there that's if... If Ali had kicked the ball into the stand and everyone had got behind the ball and back in shape, it would never have been a goal. And the reward for doing the Cruyff turn, I don't know if it was Jamie Fardy or somebody from memory, but you're still 120 yards from the opposition's goal with the ball at your feet. Yep. You know, but I think there is this kind of, you know, this pressure now to sort of be a certain way, if you like, and certain goalkeepers, you know, I think, you take someone like Popey, who's been absolutely outstanding. What a goalkeeper, by the way. What a season he's but had as well. he's not so sexy, perhaps, with his feet as Jordan Pickford or Aaron Ramsdale or Dean Henderson or Sam Johnston and so on. And so he doesn't always get the respect that he deserves. But, you know, you see people like Jason Steele who've got into the team at Brighton who are incredible with their feet. And it's like playing with a midfield general in goal, really. You yeah. know, who's who's running proceedings from, from the back line and popping passes into midfield. And, you know, he's very – the game's very different. I really love the game. And I, I'm i not one of these people who believes that things don't get better. I believe that every goalkeeper now is much better than when I was trying to do this 30-odd years ago, 40 years ago. You know, we had to catch it. My left foot didn't ever use it, did you? You picked the ball up and kicked it out of your hands. I mean – I'd be like a wooden top trying to strike the ball with my left foot. You know, it was kind of, you know, these kind of things just didn't happen, did they? And so you, you, the job was far simpler. Now you've, to be a goalkeeper, you've got to be so complete 
So anybody now that tells you, or I have these conversations, oh, he's not as good as such and such from 30 years ago, I can tell you that 30 years ago he wouldn't have had to have anywhere nah. near the level of ability and the, the various clubs in the bag with both feet that he'd have to call upon and use and so on. I think football is better now than it's ever been. It's faster, it's more skillful, there's more protection for the players. It is a fantastic game. And, you know, perhaps for me the only the only issue I have is just cleaning up a few of the rules really to, to adapt, you know, the, the VAR thing. I, I'm a fan of VAR. I don't want any goal scored that shouldn't be scored. But I think there probably has to be a point where there's got to be daylight between the two players yeah. and all that, not an elbow or a, a, a fingernail or whatever it's going to be. You know, that's too much for me. And the penalty stuff I wanted to talk to you about with goalkeepers, goalkeepers should be allowed to move anywhere in the six-yard box for a In penalty. the six-yard box, you yes, reckon, yeah? absolutely. Why? So if a fella's tripped on the angle of the box and there's 12 players in the box, he hasn't got a clear shot of the goal from 12 yards yeah. without the fella being able to move off the line. I know that Richard Lee, who you had on recently, you know, he has a sort of different theory when we've talked about it, and his was that the ball's just live from the whistle and the goalkeeper can move forward and so can the striker. Yep. But I don't think the idea of penalties is a sort of foregone you know, conclusion or should be such a foregone conclusion. I had a Sam Johnston a couple of years ago, I think when the games were behind closed doors, was playing for West Brom at Old Trafford, his old club, and he saved the penalty from from um, Bruno Fernandes as he moved and it was retaken because he'd moved off the line early while he was doing a, a gallop, three hurdles, a hop, skip and a jump <laughs> a before stop. he yeah. stepped into the ball. Now, he can do all that, but the goalkeeper can't move at any time on the line. I mean, it's it was ridiculous, and I sort of made the point of how ridiculous it was, and Sam retweeted it to his million followers or whatever it was, and so I had about 200,000 spotty little kids in their bedroom <laughs> following Man United giving me absolute dog's <laughs> abuse for about three days. But uh, you never... They're just trying to stack the odds against a goalkeeper know, it's saving hard, it's, it. Like, it's hard enough already. Every is, rule yeah. change is always to the detriment it of the is, goalie. Yeah. You know, how's that right? I know they want to see more goals, but what we're going to do next, make it eight foot higher and put a blindfold and tie their hands behind that's their the, back and gag them. That's the thing. They will just end up making the goals bigger. Oh, it's just, no, it's too much, yeah. honestly. There's nothing wrong with a good nil-nil draw when both the goalies are playing really well, especially if they're in a certain brand of gloves. That yeah. makes me really happy. I bet it does. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
<laughs> right, the next part of this show, right, I've got huge expectations no, for this. No, this no. This is a goalie or no goalie right, quiz. okay. Well, and as I've said, your knowledge is second to none. Well, so I've heard it a few times. My knowledge may be second to none, but I'm not sure about your pronunciation. <laughs> That's the bit that gets me because I've heard a couple of times you say names and I'm thinking, who's yeah, that? I try, and I then try. The, I think you called Pedro Galeze, the Peruvian international goalie that plays in the MLS, Galiz or something Galiz. the other day. So mm. you threw me with that one. But uh, I generally do all right when I listen. But Good. This is like my pop knowledge that uh, you love a quiz as well on oh, a Thursday I night. I love a quiz. I love trivia, f music trivia as well. I play pop master religiously on the radio every single day at half past ten. I've actually stopped meetings in foreign countries really, to yeah. listen to pop master wow. at half past ten in the morning. Dedication. And tell them that we're having a break and make the tea, and we're going to listen to pop master for twenty minutes. So Ken Bruce, if you, I'm not sure that he'll listen to your goalkeeping podcast, but he's probably one, not. He's one of my real heroes. But I do love knowledge and trivia, goalkeeping especially. So you can ask me some really random nonsense, and I'll do my best. Right, ready then? What a save from Mark Howard! Right, so I've got five current international squad goalkeepers. Squad goalkeepers. So they've been in their last squad. Right. So I've changed it for you to make it a little bit more tricky that they're squad goalies. <laughs> okay. Normally I go for starters, but oh, you're no. getting it a bit harder. Come on, you're going to so, kill me here. Right. Uh, followers can get, head over to YouTube and check out our leaderboard. Uh, we do try and keep it up to date as possible. So Now um, you've made it hard for me. I'm yes. not likely to be on there, am I? Uh, right, so it's one point Is for every like correct answer. Is this like a handicap, this, or not? So no. if you're good, you get worse questions. Is that am I, am I... No, I'm just expecting huge things right. from you. Okay. So, right. right, number one, Joe Gauchi. No, I don't know him. Joe Gauchi. Spell it for me. G-A-U-C-I. No, it doesn't mean anything to me. So I'll say no goalkeeper. Australia and Adelaide goalkeeper. Don't know him. He That's... actually played for Australia in the last game. Did he? Yeah. Well, I thought the Aussie goalkeepers were Andrew Redmayne. Andrew Redmayne. Uh, he was on the bench for that game. Right, okay. And so I actually spoke to Joe a couple of days ago. Right, okay. so I'm putting you in the quiz because he listens along every okay, week. Okay, so sorry, Joe. Big shout out to Joe. You obviously don't wear a very good brand of goalkeeper gloves, but uh, <laughs> let me know. Shout out to my mate Zach Clough as well that right. plays with him that okay, connected yeah, us together. Right, so. Okay, the former... Nottingham Forest, Bolton and Carlisle striker. So I'm all right with that. Yeah, you're right That's with that right. bit. As okay. long as they played in England. Right, no. number two, Joe Scarratt. Spell it for me. S-C-A-R-R-A-T. No, I don't know that one either. That's what you're saying. No goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. Right, okay. He's actually one of the creators of Love Island. I know you love that show. You, you can be assured <laughs> I've never seen an edition of Love Island in my life, although I can tell you it's often recorded on my skybox because my 24-year-old daughter takes an interest. Yeah. But well, she you might can, have you can imagine that I've never watched an edition of Love I can imagine. That's Island. why I put that one in I there, just for this little chat. Worse, yeah. <laughs> right, number three, Drake Callender. Mm, no, I've never heard of him either. Calendar. Are you spelling that with a double L? Double L. E-N-D-R or D-A-R? C-A-L-L-E-N-D-E-R. No, I can't say I know him. The best he would be is, again, probably uh, probably uh, down under somewhere, New Zealand or Australia with a name like that. So... He could be, but it's not someone I'm familiar with. What are you so saying I'm going to say no keeper. He is USA and Inter Miami goalkeeper. 
He's got sales gloves on in that picture as well. <laughs> Look at that. Must be a good customer. <laughs> oh no. It's, it's all not, gone Pete's on. Yeah, I know. Well you've you've really pulled him out today, haven't you? I don't I don't is he an international? Yep. For whom? USA. Of which level? The first team. He was in their last squad. Was he? Yep. So it's not fact check me on that. Oh, you definitely was. You, I've gone through all my is history. Is that the under twenty thing that nope. they put for? Was nope. he in the squad with Slanina? Uh, I don't know who the other keeper that played was actually. Yeah, I think it was Slanina the last time they was played, and he. Uh, but that wasn't. A, although that's a full international, they don't call up all the other players. Sells so don't, don't can, question the I quiz. I can tell you that the goalkeepers <laughs> are. Usually Ethan Horvath, maybe Sean Johnson Ethan Horvath, yeah. and uh, Zach Stefan. But yeah. anyway, let's not go there. Let's not. You right. know, you, so you, you're you, on one out of you three, make it, You make it tricky as, it tricky, as possible. Right. Yeah, Number no four, yeah, Robin Fenty. Robin Fenty, that is the real name of uh, Rihanna or something. It is isn't correct. It? Lovely there you go. A bit of music quiz there. Yeah. So that, that helped me, yeah. There That's might be a couple of other musical names. Hasn't in she there. got a fragrance line called Robin or Fenty oh, or something? I think, yeah, maybe something like that. Big customer, yeah? Mm, no, I mean, <laughs> the, the, I don't, I've, I've not met her yet, to be honest. But Fenty if she, skin if, and beauty, like, good knowledge. Thank that. you very much. Your there quiz you knowledge go. is good. Your yeah, goalkeeping knowledge know, has been poor. Yeah, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? I know every goalie in the world, and you've managed to pull out. Ragas Rovers Division Nine Croydon whoa, Sunday whoa, League goalkeeper. Whoa, here, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Two goalkeepers highly credited with international. Sorry, no, caps. I didn't. Yeah. No, 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 no <laughs> intended. Right, number five. Quickly moving on. Yeah, go Michael on. Flanagan. He's a comedian, isn't he? Well, is Used he? to be a striker at Crystal Palace and Charlton as well, but I'm pretty sure that's not the same bloke. So I'm going to say no goalkeeper. Comedian Mickey Flanagan. Yeah, there nice you go. Nice and easy one for you. No, I know that because my neighbours missed the pub quiz last week because they went to see him in London. Fair so enough, there you yeah. go. That's very topical. Decent, right. Number six, <clears throat> Kieran Kemjong. Oh, no. Kemjong. Here we go. Right. <laughs> right, you better you start, pronounce it right. You better start spelling these right. for me. Right, so go. Kieran. Yeah. K-I-R-A-N. Right. Surname C-H-E-M-J-O-N-G. So that could only Kemyong. that could only be sort That's of, good enough, isn't it? Oh I don't know this fella, but seeing as we haven't had a goalie for a little while, I'm gonna guess that you've plucked some bloke out of the, the fourth league in South Korea for me or or something like that. So I'll say goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. <laughs> he is Nepal starting goalkeeper. <laughs> the the <laughs> and, mighty Nepal. And Punjab <laughs> FC goalkeeper in India. There you go. Yeah. Oh, you was close. My instincts kicked in yeah, at long last. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've disgraced you've, me on it. I was I, I, not to come on here and get ten <laughs> out of ten. We're going to have to re-record and do it again because I'm so embarrassed. Right, I've told you I've made it tricky for you. Right, number seven, Stanislav Bukniev. Stanislav Bukniev. Spell the Bukniev for me, please. B U C H N E V. Mm, that might be Belarusian. I think I'm not sure. So I'll say goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper for Armenia. Armenia, there you go. And I knew Pionic. it was Eastern European. Yep. There you go. Hey, you've got the, the hang of this quiz now. Yeah. I'm out to try and trick you. You know that's well, I'm up to five, am I? Yep, up to five. And what's the record score? Ten? Ten, yeah. Oh, so, no, not getting a perfect ten. Right. You probably gave them like Aaron Ramsdale and uh, <laughs> Gianluigi Buffon and uh, Donna Rummer and people like that. Did you, Kaylor Navas? Uh, in goalkeeper no, or no, no keeper? No, definitely not right. easy one. Okay, so, right. Uh, the whole point of the quiz is everyone along can join in. You've come on here to pull my pants no, down in hard. public here. Right. Humiliation. Number, number eight, Scott Mescudi. 
Spell that for me. M E S C U D I. Miss Cuddy. Doesn't mean anything to me, so I'm going to say no goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. Oh. He is uh, Kid Cuddy, the song artist, Pursuit of Happiness. That's too trendy for me. Yeah, Music stopped in about 1990-ish or early 90s. I can't remember anything after that. Right, you're six out of eight, man. You're still doing well. Yeah, it's only no, the two I'm, goalies I'm, I'm that have absolutely killed you. I'm embarrassed. I know you are. Right, number nine. You'll get this one. Okay. Verinda Sayrag. Who? Verinda Sayrag. Never heard of... Is that a male or a female? Verinda Sayrag. Not a clue. Not a clue. Spell it for me. S-E-H-W-A-G. In the words of Ultravox, is Vienna. This means nothing to me. Um, yeah. hmm. And you said I should get it, so you might have given me a clue, did you? Were you, were you well, trying, to that, mis, trying to mislead me? That, that's not up to me to be... Mis that's up to you, mate, to no, make of it what I, you want. I don't know it, but I'll say goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. There you go, you lied to me. <laughs> He's a cricketer. He yeah. is a cricketer. Don't ask me about cricket. I don't You're know anything about... No. Football and music only. Master He's an Jack unbelievable of all trades, master of none. No. I knew the name. Yeah. I'd heard the name, yeah. but no, it wouldn't mean anything to me. Right, number 10. Yeah. Louis Malagon. Never heard of him. Okay, go on, spell the Malagon for me. <laughs> M-A-L-A-G-O-N. I feel like I'm being told off by like yeah. a teacher or something. Malagon. Uh, and, and who does he play for? Does he play for the Crown and Scepter Reserves or something? <laughs> or Stop so, discrediting well, so many countries well, and how teams. How many goalkeepers and non-goalkeepers have we had so far? That's up to you to work back so out. I that. think we've probably had four, so he must be a goalkeeper. I he think. is a goalkeeper for go. Mexico right, and okay. Club America. No. And he's played for the national team, He has, he? yes. Ochoa's the number one, isn't he? Yes. Oh, so okay. he's a sub-goalie. You sure? Was he at the World Cup? <sighs> he was in their last squad, I told you this. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, oh, you, you've pulled some absolute rascals I'm buzzing off there. this. That is, Seven out of ten says it's a, a very good score. A disgrace. It's a very good score. I'm ashamed and I'm never coming back. <laughs> you only get invited once. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, as you've said, right, you played in goal. Why did you play in goal? And what, what is your first memory of putting on a pair of gloves? <laughs> well, the first gloves I had were the cotton green gloves that like Peter Bonetti and the goalies of the mid-70s would, would use before you were upgraded to the rubber pimples with the table tennis, uh, exactly like that, exactly that type of thing. Yeah. You know, the, the rubber pimples uh, for table tennis. Um, I was six when I first started playing in goal. My dad formed a local team called Eversley Rangers, which was uh, around on this park that was not far from where I lived in Norwood as a kid. And I was known as the kid that always used to cry when he let in a goal. Yeah. And it used to hurt me so badly in my, uh, even for my, in my attempts for perfection, age six years old, it would still drive me insane that anyone could beat me. So uh, I wasn't a very, um, a very reasonable loser in those, uh, in those early years, it has to be said. But uh, as goalkeeping. It was the, uh, it was the sort of uh, start of it all and, Probably didn't imagine my path would take me quite where it has today, but uh, it's one of the great things about fate, I guess. Why did you stick at goalkeeping then if you, <laughs> that was your first experience? I just, I don't know, I just loved the whole idea. I think there was something about the sort of leadership qualities required and the, and the, the 
you know, I went into secondary school and, you know, we had some very good players that ended up going to clubs and stuff and I was around that. You know, I was made captain of the team, not just because I was a player, I think, because I was the bloke who would sort everyone out and get everybody there and make sure it all worked. That's a you theme know. with goalkeepers. Yeah, They're the most I, organised in every I dressing think, room. I think you have to have that sort of bit about you. But I was terrible, you know, terrible with nerves and stuff as a player. Like, really, I didn't enjoy playing the game, you know, and I talk to goalkeepers about it now. I... I had Sunday evening, I was in Knightsbridge and I met um, Michel Barsham. You didn't ask me who he played for, did you? No. Who's the Qatari national goalkeeper. In, He's uh, been, I've, I've had him on the quiz. Well, okay, I've had him featured had him in on, the quiz well, before. Okay, well, I was with him the other night and I was talking to him about, He's 24, how does he feel about playing the game and all that sort of stuff. And I just think, weirdly, I was the most sort of relaxed and confident person probably off the field but as soon as you put me in the goal and I had to make decisions all the time and so on I was one of these fellas that was very technical so very good in training and could make all the saves but I was a freak like for the mental side to the point that even in my non-league days I used to have to warm up for an hour and it was like a training session so I'd have to have them serving in the top corners and I'd have them going over my head and flicking them over the bar because it was almost like I had to put a mental tick in every box. Like I can get down low to the right today, down low to the left. I can go top right, top left, over my head. I'd have to do absolutely everything to make sure that I was... Because my mind wouldn't allow me... And this is sort of interesting now because when I talk to a lot of the players about their mental side and if they're having problems and all that kind of stuff... You know, I I can sort of really relate to it. And there was one goalkeeper that was on to me a little while ago and he said, oh, as a club psychologist and I can talk to the psychologist. He said, but I'd rather talk to you. And I said, why? He said, because you understand me. Yeah. And I said, well, you're talking to the bloke who didn't like the sun in his eyes, the pitch was too bumpy, the wind was too strong, there was too much of a slope on the pitch... You know, I had every reason to 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 find an excuse in my mind or cause myself a problem that was too much and I couldn't take it in my stride. And I wish the 53-year-old me could, could deal with it. the 16-year-old me and manage me in, in that way. Do you, you think know? you'd have been a lot different than playing then if you had that psychology, yeah. like the, the modern aspect of the game that people... I think, I think, I mean, you're talking about a different time with different levels of facility and stuff as well. I mean, I talked to you about being at Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club, one of the biggest and richest on the planet. In 1985 or 86, we used to train at the shed end behind the goal and volley balls into the wall and you'd be diving on the concrete and all that sort of stuff. And if you were lucky, we got to train on the cinder pitch at Battersea Park... I can remember my padded tracksuit bottoms that would get holes in nigh on every other week. Every time I got a new pair, and there'd be another hole, well. right? And it was wet. And so it peeing with rain and all the stuff would be like your pants would weigh an absolute tonne. But if you didn't wear proper protection, you'd probably cut have broken shreds. bones yeah. and cut to shreds. And then after training, the, 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 so you'd been up and down, up and down on this red grow or cinder pitch, whatever you want to call it, for an hour and a half. 
and then you used to have to run back to Stamford Bridge after training with all your dirty and wet kit on and all that sort of I mean, it was... To go and do your jobs and stuff? It was, no, I mean, a, that was just... No, so my school, that was when I was in school. So my school day, I'd go to school in Norwood. I'd walk to the station after school. I would take the train to Victoria, the tube to Fulham Broadway, train Stamford Bridge or at Battersea Park, come back home, train tube back to Victoria... Train back to, to Croy, South Croydon where I was living at that time and I would be home at like half past 11 at night or something like that on a Tuesday and Thursday night for going training there and doing all that. I mean, it's so different now. I mean, having worked in the academy at Palace for that period and seeing we didn't have lots of money and the club was went into administration twice and all that kind of stuff, I saw... But now Steve Parrish has done like remarkable things with the club and the new academy. They've spent £17 million on the most unbelievable facility. And when I've been in there now, I'm kind of laughing with Gary about what we had and, you know, all those kind of things. Do you know days, what I mean? Yeah. But I would say to you, for all of that, none of it really matters in the sense that it's still not an excuse to not make a footballer. You know, as long as you've got grass and some footballs... You can play football, you know. So I remember one of the coaches that came to work in a meeting sort of raised his concerns about the facilities, you know, I'm going back 20 years more. And I said, well, it doesn't matter. It's never stopped us doing anything. It's just nicer to have better things in a better environment and it makes us more attractive. But I think, you know, people can talk about all of these things and obviously everything is better, like there's... There's a better feeling, a better uh, ambience about the place in terms of uh, what's expected and the, and it feels good to be there when it's like that. But really, I'd advise anybody who is a parent of a young child to not be totally sold on all of those things and yep. just look at the best pathway for your son or daughter into the game. And that that's still, for me, you know... The, the problem is if you go to a Premier League football club and you're a goalkeeper, you've probably got to be one of the best 80 goalkeepers on the planet to have a chance of being group, yeah. in the squad and playing in a first team at a Premier League club. If you go to a League One club, you can get in the team or League Two and you can start your, your journey, you suddenly become very, very valuable and you're gaining experience all the time. And my big thing with every goalkeeper is... Play 200 matches. You're not a proper goalkeeper till you've played 200 matches. Need and when I mean a proper goalkeeper, that's exactly right. You know, the experience is everything, right? That you you must you must gain from this time. And if you can get to 28 and you've played 200 matches, you're probably going to have 10 years of a very good career and a very good earning capacity and so on because of the groundwork that you've done. Yep. If you get to 28 and you haven't played too many matches, very hard that anyone's ever really going to give you that trust to, true, yeah. to go and play regularly. You do see some freaks and changes. It freaks probably a bit rude. <laughs> you know, freaks of nature, let's say, yep. if that's the right term. Somebody like Ben Wilson at Coventry this year has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And he's never really had a chance anywhere. And I don't think anybody would have seen this coming. Mm. But... Congratulations, Ben, whether you win the playoff or not this weekend. I think, you know, you've done fantastically well. Um, 
but it's those are few and far between, really, I would say. The games, the games, the games, and going through the gears, if you look at the best goalkeepers, Pickford, Pope, Ramsdale, Henderson, Johnston, all these lads have played through the levels, you know. That's actually a good segue into the to the, be, the next question I wanted to ask you anyway okay. about how goalkeepers... I'm just st- rambling, sorry. No, no, how goalkeeper styles differ and even like the body shapes of goalkeepers are so different, but it's about getting the most out of what tools you have and the attributes that you have. I think that my mind changed so much about goalkeeping once Peter Schmeichel came along. Because Peter Schmeichel wasn't technical. Peter Schmeichel dived on his belly. Yeah. Peter Schmeichel did all the things that goalkeepers aren't supposed to do or I was never taught to do and so on. But it's about being effective, isn't it? Do you 100%. know what I mean? Stop the ball going in the goal. That's the job. And therefore, and he's one of the best that ever lived at doing however, it. Exactly. And however you manage it, it can't be a bad save no. if it doesn't go in, can it? You know, but... I'm a sort of bit of a purist and would coach the sort of technical way, if you like, and try to believe in doing things in the right fashion. So, you know, I see goalkeepers now, and Sam Johnston, for instance, I just mentioned, he's really super technical. Like when I watch him, his feet and hands, everything's very sort of structured in the way that he plays. But you see other goalkeepers that are bigger, you know, people like Fraser Forster that sort of, swat the ball away like it's a fly and stuff like that and it's whatever works really and if you've got a big frame then use it and if you're not the biggest then you're gonna have to be very quick around the goal and agile and and so I, i remember you know again going back talking about sort of people that that have dean carley used to say to me i don't come for so many crosses i come for the ones i can get i rely on my speed around the six yard area and getting around the goal and you see that sort of goalkeepers also have that style tend to last longer because they don't get old and stiff like the bigger blokes do, do they? You know, and you see people like he and Julian Speroni, another dear friend of mine, you know, played till he was 40, Dean till he was 41 or 42, yep. and Shay Given went on a long time. These lads that aren't tall and, and sort of stiff, I guess, is yeah, probably yeah. how you'd want to describe it you know there is an advantage to that you know the the sort of Kaylor Navases of the modern era and probably the David Reyes will probably go on and go play on longer, longer makes sense because of their size and their shape but I think it's like playing styles you know whether you're Peter Crouch or or Lionel Messi it doesn't necessarily make any difference you work with what you've got and you've got to be effective how you with can that. best use it yeah exactly and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Again, I think in the modern era, we're very quick to dismiss people who don't fit Fit the sort of mould or what it's going to be, whether it be managers, players or whatever. But I really think that, you know, you are what you are and goalkeeper-wise, to make it to that level, to the level you've played, you have to be very, very, very special. You know, very special. And all it is is the further up you go, the more ticks you're putting in the boxes. You know, that's it. But the one thing I noticed, having done this for 25 years or 30 years, and all the goalkeepers that I've dealt with, all the best ones have a real good mentality. You know, when I say that, they're unfussed, they're low maintenance, they're easy to deal with. Nothing phases them, does it? No, and they don't worry, you know. I met Anthony Patterson last week from Sunderland the night before they played 
Luton and I was sort of really impressed with his mentality, you know, just his demeanour and, and what he did and what he said. And he just gave me an immediate feeling as I drove away that night thinking that kid will go to the top because he just knows how to sort of handle himself and he, he doesn't get flustered. Gavin Bazunu, he's exceptional. I mean, Gav's a bit different because he's very big on sort of self-improvement and I was talking to him recently about how he deals with penalties and stuff and he gave me some real insight into his way of doing it in terms of researching personalities and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, very detailed, professional-driven individual. But there's, they're all sorts really, but, you know, the, the ones that can take things in their stride and you obviously have to have a very, very thick skin, you know. And I think when you're, when you're older, it's easier to have a thick skin because yep. we realise that, you know, I'm a good person, I'm a nice bloke and I wouldn't harm anybody, but not everybody still likes you and not everybody's going to like you for whatever reason. And, you know, even with my brand, I can produce the best product in the world as far as I'm concerned, but it's still not going to be for everyone, for every... Every Apple, there's a Samsung, and every McDonald's, there's a Burger King, and every Nike, there's Adidas, and so on. It's not, you're never going to have everybody on side. True. And as my late father used to say to me, can please some of the people some of the time, most of the people most of the time, but not all of the people all oh. of the time. And once you sort of learn to deal with that in your own mind, I think things come a little bit easier. And I think you have to also realise that everyone's got an opinion, but whether it's a good one or valid one or one that you should take seriously. Um, I talked to... I had lunch recently with a goalkeeper. I won't name him because he may or may be not working with me in the not-too-distant future. This is so, where we put a mystery silhouette yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, so, but, <laughs> and I was talking to him about his game and all that, and he's such a lovely fella that he actually blushed over lunch while we were talking and stuff. And, you know, and I said to him, do you watch the TV and all the pundits and what they say about you and your performances and so on? He said, never. He said, the only person I listen to are the goalkeeper coaches and my manager and staff. He said, they're, they're the only people that, that matter or their opinions matter. Nobody else is... Well, they pick the team as well. well. Exactly. That's I've always gone and, back and to. And the Whoever picks the team is the only person that I'm trying to impress. Well, I know that we've had conversations before where you've played with managers that have told you understandably to kick the ball long and as far out of play as you can in the last 15 minutes of games to try and break the game up and see the game out. And all the fans write that you can't kick straight and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so it's kind of... Kept me in the team. No, but, well, but, <laughs> you know, this is the... You know, it's amazing how many people go and watch football. And I suppose we're privileged to have been involved in it a long time. So you you learn lots of stuff and you see lots of stuff. But, you know, I'll have Palace fans that write questions into the podcast. Saying, Why does he keep kicking the ball out of play and stuff like that? And you have to explain that we're not very big and he's Jeffrey Schlapp's got to win the header who's not the biggest. And if he heads it inside, we're good. We go down the middle, we get turned if they edit back and at least if it goes out of play, we're, of we're, happens, we can yeah. press them in that area. And then people go, oh, right, yeah, I didn't realise that and so on. And you think, that's quite simple for it's me. just the understanding you know I mean? of the but, game, yeah, yeah. But it's so, you know, people, you know, go from he can't kick straight to, oh, now I understand tactically why he's being asked to do that. But 
again, I suppose we take for granted that because we've been around it and we see it and we know it, that everybody knows it, but they don't, do they? They're, right, Dave, I'm going to stop Dave you, Selzy, right? I want to talk about your brand give you an now. opinion, is he? Let's get on to your brand. Oh, the boring this, stuff. No, this could be the longest glove review I've ever seen in my life, right, and been part of. I think so, are we already all, setting a record for the longest No, um, not at show? all. No? no? Oh, dear. Right, so I'm, I'm going to read you out the sales uh, goalkeeping products bio from the website because right. I, I loved it when I read it as well. Okay. What a save from Mark Allen. And this is the glove review on the Yours Mine Away podcast. So Sales Goalkeeper Products is a brand and exclusive for goalkeepers. We understand as part of the union that a goalkeeper is a specialist, just as we are. Uh, as we, as nearly every rule change, ball and boot development appears to be the detriment of a goalkeeper, we see it as our mission to readdress the balance. It's not easy dealing with wet and slippery ball flying towards you at nearly 80 miles per hour. That's like the ethos of the company isn't it? and what you do. But like... It, it it sums up like everyone is against a goalkeeper perfectly. And unfortunately for me, I managed to run a business in something that was far too niche to ever make me very rich. But <laughs> oh. anyway, the I'm now doing a podcast the, in that niche. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think, you know, for me I'm very committed to making things better all of the time. I'm very driven in the respect that there's a lot of pride involved for me. So although this is a business, it's not, for me, only about making money. You know, success for me is the pride in being known to be the best, not necessarily the biggest, and being driven to find the best things all of the time, the next best thing. So the Outlast material, which is used by NASA originally on spacesuits to regulate the body temperature you know, to use that in a glove. So it doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees or minus 10, your hand still stays cool inside the glove. It's not a very cheap thing to do. It costs 25 euros a square metre to, to manufacture, whereas a normal fabric on a normal glove might be a couple of euros by comparison. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's big differences, <clears throat> very big differences. And But I'm not afraid to to push the boundaries a little bit because my driver or my endeavor is tells me that 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 I want to be the best and find the best thing so I want to bring the best latex with the most cushioning with the the best performance in different conditions that we can pull together the best backhand materials every little detail has to be spot on and it's very difficult sometimes because you know, you're constantly sort of told by people, I really like your product, but it's too expensive and why is it so expensive and so on. And I I don't really apologise for it because everybody's got a choice and they can they can make it. And it's, you know, the the internet being what it is and and the Alibaba sites and things like that of this world make it possible for anybody to make goalkeeper gloves now. But there is making goalkeeper gloves and there is making goalkeeper gloves and there is serious materials where you have to commit to to contracts and minimums and, and all these kind of things that you're doing with these technologies and things that have to make you a cut above the rest. And, you know, I, I don't... I, you know, I have to say to you that even the sort of 
lower price gloves I do are probably higher specification or of a higher specification than most of the the other brands. But you know, people have different ideas and their perceptions about it and how it is. But for me, the driver is always how can I make this better? What can I do? What can I add? What can I find? And during the lockdown, for instance, it was, you know, we've had a very, very difficult period with COVID, with all the production stopping, starting, stopping. I think in three years, we delivered two quarters out of 12, you know. So it's ruined the flow, ruined the finances, done everything imaginable. And then we've had the war in the Ukraine where the production was, and now we're starting a new production in Asia, having to ship all the European materials out. But from that... We've managed to develop some new materials that are exclusive that are even better than the ones we've been working with. So there are ups and downs and and, and pros and cons and wins and losses in everything yep. that you do. But you just the, the pride, if you like, and 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 the drive in that sense comes from that I'd probably find it much different if my name wasn't attached, attached to, to the it, brand, yeah. But my missus told me, and she's a very poor woman that has to contend with all this. I mean, she really is. I mean, she's amazing because she just puts up with all my nonsense. She knows every goalkeeper and everyone in football, even though she doesn't. She only likes American football and the Eagles of a Philadelphia type rather than the Crystal Palace version. Yeah. But, um, I mean, for example, at Easter weekend I went to... I went to Reading, Birmingham, where John Ruddy and Joe Lumley played on, other, yeah. on the Friday. I went to Tottenham versus Brighton to see Jason Steele on the Saturday. I went to Leeds Palace on Sunday, and I went to Luton against Blackpool on Monday. Sounds like a Craig David song. Yeah. <laughs> Divorced on Tuesday. Yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> no, but but she she's like <clears throat> she deals with my sort of passion and attention to detail, and she sort of understands that you know that it is a way of life. Really, it's not. It's not a job for me. It's just something that I can't change, you know, even if I wanted to. If I wanted to stop tomorrow and say no more, that's probably not that easy either. I'm 53 years old. What am I going to do next? <laughs> you know, it's kind of there, – there are there are moments where I think, what the hell did I ever do this for? And there are other days when I think, this is the best job in the world. Do you know what I mean? And short of being able to play the game, as lucky as you are, someone from Croydon who managed to make a proper goalkeeper, not like me, um, it's the next best thing, really. And, yeah. I, and I can now say, I, I guess, you don't, you don't spend your life, I'm not somebody who's ever satisfied. You know, I'm sort of, I, I used to have in the toilet at the office, uh, <laughs> a, a, like on the wall, a, a, a phrase like stuck on the wall that said, uh, don't know if I want to, to be <laughs> To be satisfied with one's, One's efforts is a, rich, a wretched state of affairs, or words to that effect, yeah. you know. And I, I kind of um, feel that I've always got to try and do better. And I don't look very much or very often at what I've done or where we are and go, "Oh, I'm really pleased with that." And wasn't that good? And didn't we do well? And isn't everyone appreciative? Everyone from the outside sees it as fantastic, but for me. Well, the I'm, goalkeepers think they're fantastic. Yeah, but mate. I'm the I'm the swan that's on the lake with the legs kicking, kicking like underneath, crazy yeah. underneath and and pulling it all together. But I always try to please people. I always try to do what I can. I always try to make things better. And I'm not somebody who sees themselves 
just selling their business one day and retiring, I'd think I'll probably drop dead. Too much I'll passion like, with it, yeah. Yeah, I'll just... Can I ask I you some questions? I can't think of anything our... I want to do, yeah, you know, and anything else I'd rather do. <clears throat> Can I ask uh, some questions for our audience, for the young kids that are out there? Right. Go for it. What is your recommended cut of gloves? Uh, I don't really have one, to be honest. I think it's whatever makes you comfortable, whatever makes you confident. We've got the new lines coming now. And there are eight different cuts available okay. wow. in the new lines. Yeah, I mean we go to to the nth degree on everything, and so just find the most comfortable glove yeah, for you, you. You try and test them. Most of the goalies they put different stuff on, and they'll give you a different view. Um, you know, and some things some goalkeepers like, and the next one says, "Oh, I could never wear that." Yeah. You know, and it's uh, you know it, it's probably changing a little bit. We've always done very well with sort of roll fingers and and the expanse cut, which is on the total contact, the model yep. you use, and that's very popular. But, you know, probably now more people are sort of drifting into other things as well, more sort of hybrid strapless. versions, strapless. Yeah, we have we have some strapless gloves coming oh, do in you? the new nice. line, yeah, yeah. Go on, which is probably not my thing exactly. Nora. But a few of the goalies that have put them on have all told me they love it, but... I say it's strapless. It's not strapless probably in the sense of other people's. It's strapless. There's, a, there's an optional there's strap an optional that you strap, put yeah. on it. Fair enough. But there's also latex on the backhand and not silicone or some other gimmick. It's not about colours. It's not about um, how things look, you know, uh, aesthetics. It's about performance. And, for instance, we always have white palms on the very high-end gloves. Yep. Because yeah, when you, you produce this? latex, white is the latex in its purest, purest form. Yep. So as soon as you colour it or put spots on it or specks and so on, not so much tiny specks, but I'm talking about sort of, you know, big lines and colours and things. That, and as soon as you do that, you are detracting effectively from, from its performance because it's not in its most natural format. But obviously there are people that, buy them for how they look or what they perceive they want them to look like or how it should be. But we are solely focused on performance. performance. What is the best, what's going to give you the best result? What What's the, the weirdest request you've had from goalkeepers asking for gloves, like the custom sort of spec stuff? Um, weirdest? There must be some strange ones. Obviously... Rob Green had his webbed finger yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, we've done we've done plenty of that, like that actually. Putting two fingers My together. My teammate and, uh, Ben Foster, he had his yeah, fingers done together for a bit. That happens quite a lot. Um, some are, you know, Simon Moore is impossible with his funny fingers. You can never. He changes his mind about style, cut, size on a sort of daily basis. He used to be. I know he's he's probably be watching and listening because he was on the other week and. Uh, I've just missed a call from him before I came <laughs> nice. into you. So where gloves are concerned, size the epitome of I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's probably the highest maintenance, but in a nice way, because he's an absolutely Top lovely guy. human being and a diamond. Him and his brother came on and said very nice things about me. So I should be very grateful for such kindness. And he's a very, very good person. Um, but yeah, he's one who who constantly sort of can you do this? Can yeah, you do yeah. that to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not now. We've got so many options yep. that it's generally we can find something everybody likes. Dean Henderson is a huge enthusiast. I went round to see him a few weeks ago, 
and I was still stroking the dog at the front door and he was already in the lounge with them open and had them on his hands before I'd <laughs> nice. even got in there, you know. So It's the first thing it, I did when yeah, you showed up today, put the gloves yeah, straight yeah, on. That's just what we do. Different strokes for different folks, but they do... It's the smell of new gloves do, for me. They do love it. Gavin Bazuna, when I met him the other day, I was chatting to him about Southampton and all that, and before he answered about three quid, he went, can you show me the gloves? Yeah, just get them out. <laughs> get your gloves Stop out. Stop talking to me. <laughs> uh, for, for our young audience and stuff yes. like that then, how, how long do you reckon that they last, they should last... Or is it just a, a personal feeling? Of- yeah, I think that depends on um, the conditions. The pitches tec- you play on? Yes, the technique plays a big part. If you're getting up using your hands a lot, yep. you're going to obviously wear them out a lot quicker than if you can use your sort of pendulum leg and get yourself back up and roll on the side of your body and have your hands leading. Reference there for Alex, Alex Welsh, Welsh, if yeah, you're lovely. listening, hands leading. Um but yeah, the that that's sort of probably the key. I mean, I've some goalkeepers that are ridiculously high maintenance, and some that are generally okay. I mean, there was one goalkeeper I won't name him. <laughs> Please do. No, I didn't end up working with him, but he told me that he needed um, 125 pairs per season. That's quite a lot. That. So yeah, that's sort of. Pretty much uh, three for every game, I think, wow. and so on. So, you know, you, you have different people with different ideas, but an average professional goalkeeper will use probably 20 to 25 pairs a season, yeah. roughly speaking. Yeah, say. every other game, a, a top-level keeper will be using. But you're playing on a super carpet all the time. The best pitches, watered. the best training pitches. Yeah, you exactly. actually train less as the higher Correct. up you go. So I would say to you that, you know, very different for parents uh, buying gloves for their kids, but look for something that's comfortable, gives them confidence, and preferably with a sales name and logo <laughs> on the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, finally, uh, any advice for some young GKs that do listen? Yes. What would I say to a young goalkeeper? I always say model yourself on somebody that you idolise anyway. Learn all the good things that they do well. And try and emulate that because I think that if you attach yourself and your body shape and your size to somebody that is specific to you, mm. I think it's the best way for you to learn. If you just you model yourself, on, I I did it with Van der Sar. I'd watch endless clips of Van der Sar because I thought that is kind of my body shape. That's yes. what I want to be like. He's a goalkeeper that I most admired at the time. I was like, why why not why not just watch him and learn what he did? Joe Whitworth, a goalkeeper that I'm involved with at Crystal Palace, who's an outstanding positive played prospect played two premier league games already yeah already and he's more david raya and he said to me i think i have to be david raya i'm not going to be as big as fraser forster mm. you know and again magical temperament for a kid age 19 making his debut i phoned him up on the way to the game he's playing at brighton so it's a big derby game for palace as well you know probably the one the fans are most interested in of the season they're playing away in the derby game and so I've been told that he's going to be playing by staff during the day. So I'll call him about mid-afternoon when I'm on my way there. And I said, oh, anything you want to tell me? And he said, oh, I think I'm making my Premier League debut tonight. <laughs> Just casually yeah, dropped he, it in. But he didn't. He took it in his stride. And again, if I meet, you know, this is, I think when you meet players and often when you meet their parents, you see the characteristics Nick Pope's parents, for example, his dad's like an old farmer and he's a magic bloke and he's very cool and easy about everything. 
and Nick Pope has a similar temperament. You know, Dean Kiley, when I knew him, his dad, Larry, he's like an old Irish builder from Birmingham and he laughs at everything and nothing would cause him a problem and he's not worried by anything and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't care for anything or bother. And I think that temperament came into Dino in the same way. And I think there is so much of this. There's a huge reflection. Joe, I was going to say mm-hmm. to his mm-hmm. mum and dad, are air traffic controllers at Heathrow Airport, right? Calm and, so, and calculated. Well, they have to be very on it and very... But you, you've got to be relaxed to do the job. And this is probably, for a young player, enjoy the game. Don't do things that I did. And think about think about it, football in a sort of more clinical way in terms of how you go about it and don't make it too... Don't put yourself under too much pressure because if you think about it, if if... We walked outside now and somebody gets run over by a bus and we need the, the doctor and the medics to turn up. That's not a pop group, by the way. Spirit <laughs> in the Sky, 1986. Anyway, but the doctor and the medics to turn up, um, they've got to be passionless, haven't they? They've yep. got to deal with the situation with a cool head. And I think as a goalkeeper, you've got to be the same because we might be standing by the roadside going, oh, my God, oh, my God, look what we've just seen. Oh, what's going to happen? Isn't it terrible? If everybody does that, nothing yeah. can happen, can it? But if we need people with cool heads that are calculated and able to to manage it, and I think it's about seeing football probably in that way in a more clinical fashion and don't let mistakes or things trouble you. Everybody makes them, you know. Don't lose faith when you think other people don't rate you or don't trust you and don't feel embarrassed or ashamed of making mistakes. Everybody does it. You know, the very best do it. It happens to all of us and sometimes it's pretty horrendous if it's on live television in front of millions of people and all that kind of stuff. But somebody's got to be there and the reason you're there is because you want to be there and you're good enough to be there and all of those people on the outside that all tell you you should do this and you should do that and you're not good enough and all that, they're probably never going to be there because they're never going to be good enough. So it's the easiest job in the world for everybody to tell you how to do it, doing it when that ball's whipped in at 80 miles an hour in it's the rain, story. all those bodies running across you. So for any kid that's listening, keep the faith and just work at your game, work at your game, work at your game, be disciplined be professional, Be put as much in as you can in as a controlled fashion as you can and believe in yourself. And you never know where that, might, where that might take you. I actually believe now I've been on the other side of the fence having been a kid that didn't make it and then somebody that makes decisions about people making it and not. I often get a feeling very, very quickly when I see a player and I have an instinct that takes me there straight away because of what you've seen over over the years. But I believe if you're good enough, you'll get there. And somebody like Ben you were talking about and your colleague, fantastic guy at Wrexham, you know, he was playing non-league football in the Midlands and working as a chef and all that sort of stuff. But if you're good enough, people see it and you you get up the ladder. And, and I think also that I would say is very important is be a top human being and conduct your business in the best possible fashion. Because I can tell you from my own experience working inside a football club, when it comes to making decisions about players, 
if you're a borderline decision about whether you get to the next step to kick on, if you're a very good lad, they generally go in your favour. Goes a long way. If you're not a very good lad, they'll probably go the other way. So there is so much to be said for doing the right things, being honest, showing great integrity, professionalism, and demonstrating a great deal of respect that helps you you get places. So it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. It's been my pleasure. I haven't shut up for an hour. And <laughs> no, half it's brilliant. It is. So the, 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 apologies the, the insight... to the listeners who are probably bored, senseless. Now, if you're still all. listening and still awake, <laughs> congratulations. The, the insight and depth that you do provide into it, to what we do as goalkeepers, mate, is fantastic. And with, uh, with your product, mate, I can only thank you. There's so many goalkeepers around the world that absolutely love what you do, mate. So full credit mm, to no, you. Thank you very much. I love it and. Uh, Long may it continue may it until continue. I've no more uh, air in my lungs. Right, this has been the Yours Mine Away podcast, joined by Adam Sells. Super, what a oh, I've got a clap as well. What nice, about yeah. it? Uh, this has been the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Make sure you give us a like and a subscribe. Go follow us. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 